Well, our topic today, he's got the whole world in his hands. Children are now dismissed out the back. Thank you, Doug. I had to admit, first service, I'm out of practice at this part of it. So the kids out the back for Children's Church. A few weeks ago, I was at a retirement home in town leading a chapel service for them, and I shared some scripture and led in some singing, and after, as we closed, I was dismissing, there was one little old woman, I found out she's 95 years old, she's in a wheelchair, she's bundled up in, in blankets, and she raised her hand and said, next time, can we sing, he's got the whole world in his hands, it's on page 105, and I looked at her and I thought, I'm not sure there'll be a next time for her. So I said, let's just sing it right now. So let's do that right now. Will you sing with me? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah, you clap. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Now we're going to stop because if we keep on going, it's it's so good that we'll replace the worship team next week and I don't want to do that. So uh, a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, we're in Romans chapter 8 and Pastor Steve Steele did an excellent sermon on God has the whole world in his hands, focusing on God's sovereignty over the world and over our lives. So I'm not going to repeat that. So I want to speak today of a different aspect of the idea that God has the whole world in his hands. And our main points today are connected. Number one, God cares for the world. Number two, he's working his plan for the whole world. And number three, he wants us to share that concern and participate in his plan. Now, this series we have, we still believe, and we talk, I've been talking about things we still believe in spite of a secular culture that pushes against us and says, uh, uh, you need to drop some of those traditional values and beliefs and, and be more like us. And in our culture today, the idea of evangelism or foreign missions are not popular because The secular culture says truth is relative, everybody's right, nobody's wrong, and to go to somebody and say, you need to believe this message I'm giving you sounds like I'm right, you're wrong, and that's oppressive and coercive, and you shouldn't do that. Uh, And for to go to foreign countries and tell them, uh, I've got a message you need to believe, that's imperialism and colonialism, and we need to drop that. Well, we believe that there is one true God and that truth is truth. You can't just make it up. It's what all opinions are not all equal. And that God has one plan of salvation and he's called us to take that to the whole world. So we still believe in evangelism. We still believe in missions. Our culture says religion is fine if you just keep it in church and you keep it at home in your uh, your heart and you don't talk about it and don't do anything about it. Just make it private. It's not private. It's public and it has worldwide implications. So we're going to start looking at at, uh, some scriptures of God's care and plan for the whole world and his call to us. So first we begin with Israel. God calls Israel to bring the news of his salvation to the whole world. We begin with the father of Israel, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12. 
Verse one, the Lord said to Abram, later Abraham, go from your country, uh, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great and and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Uh, and, and get this, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And through Abraham came the nation of Israel. Through Abraham came Jesus the Messiah. And uh, God's concern from the very beginning was the whole world. Now let's jump forward a few hundred years to the book of Exodus. The people of of the Hebrew people had come out of slavery in Egypt. They were being led by Moses in the wilderness and God stopped them at Mount Sinai to make a covenant with them and says, okay, you need to understand you have a calling and you have a responsibility to be a unique and different people. Exodus 19, five and six. Uh, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you'll be my treasured possession Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Now, if you've got your notes, your sermon notes, if you've got a pen, circle three phrases. Uh, treasured possession is the first. Kingdom of priests is the second. Holy nation is the third. Now, what does a priest do? There to be a kingdom of priests. A priest stands between God and people. And the priest brings the the people's prayers to God and brings God's message to the people. And that's what Israel was called to do, to to bring the needs of the nations before God and take the message of God to the nations. That was their calling. Um, Right after Exodus 19, the very next chapter is the giving of the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments kind of summarizes uh, the responsibilities of God's people. Now, in a world in which, the, in the pagan religions, the gods were not moral. They didn't care if you kill people or not. They didn't care how you lived. As long as you gave the right sacrifices, uh, they thought that's all the gods needed. In a world like that, where, where morality was based upon might makes right, whatever I can get away with, whatever I can do for myself, that's the right thing to do. In a world in which religion was degraded to the point of, in, in the Canaanites, child sacrifice, temple prostitution, God gives the Ten Commandments and says, no, you're to worship me only, and you're to treat life as sacred, family as sacred, truth-telling as sacred, property as, as sacred. You're to forego coveting, which just means I want more and more for myself, which leads to wars and and violence of various kinds. But we don't see Israel living out this call very much. We see again and again through the Old Testament, Israel paganized their religion and started treating God like all he cared about was the right sacrifices and we can do whatever we want. But the call to the nations, the, the emphasis upon this Uh, was still there. We can see it in Psalm 86, verse 9, for instance, in which it's predicted, all the nations you have made, God, will come and worship before you, Lord, and they will bring glory to your name. And in Psalm 96, uh, verse 3, we see that Israel was supposed to help bring this about. 
declare his glory, not just in church, not just at the temple, but among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples, plural, everywhere. They were to take this message. We see this, this international call and emphasis, God's value in, in uh, the prophets. For instance, in Isaiah 49.6, a prophecy of the coming Messiah, we read this. God says through the prophet, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those uh, uh, of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my, my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This was God's design. This was his care. We see his heart. This was his call for his people, but we don't see Israel doing that. And so in the New Testament, we see a turn. We see now that God calls the church to bring the news of his salvation to the world. In Matthew 20, 21, uh, Jesus tells the story of the tenants. He said, uh, a man owned a vineyard and he let it out to tenants. And when it came time to collect the rent, he send the, sent people, his servants, and they beat him and chased him away. Then he said, well, send my son. And they killed the son. And he said to the, to the religious leaders, what do you think, God's, what do you think the, the, the master's going to do? And they said, well, he's going to punish those guys. And he said, right. And he said, you are the tenants in the, in the vineyard. And because you have rejected the son, he says, therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Who are this people? this new nation of God. Well, this is a people not defined by boundaries or even ethnicity. We read in Galatians 3, verses 28 and 29. Here in the church, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you all uh, are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed heirs according to the promise. God promised to bless all the nations through Abraham. And now we are his seed spiritually. Uh, Now God still has a plan for Israel. We talked about that in Romans 11. But in this age, we are called to take that message and be the ones who have that role that Israel had. Peter makes this clear. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you have your notes, connect that phrase. See the phrase, you are a, uh, let's bring that back. Uh, Connect that phrase, chosen people to treasured possession, uh, back in Exodus 19. And then uh, uh, a royal priesthood, back to kingdom of priests. And then holy nation, back to holy nation. God has given us the role of declaring his glory. That's what we are called to do uh, in this age. Now, we're going to talk about how that, what that means for you and me. What, uh, what we might do to be part of that plan. But first, I want to just rejoice as we talk about some great things that God has been doing in our midst over the last 20 years. I look and reflect back on some of these things and I'm just amazed at, at how God has, been, has used us 
as we've opened ourselves up to them. So we're going to look at five amazing missions connections. So here's the first. Grace English School in India. So several years ago, Carol Alexander, raise your hand, uh, and her daughter Lori. Lori, you around? Well, she was at the bar, maybe. Uh, co- coffee bar, coffee bar. I think some of you wish you were at the bar. I don't know. Uh, they went to India to to connect with one of our missionaries working there, and they uh, ran across this young woman, 15-year-old girl, Pushpa, and found out that she was in indentured servanthood uh, in, a, in a home. Her parents were poor. They couldn't support her, so they put her in this home. They gave her to this family to work there. She had to work 14 hours a day, seven days a week, and she had to end each day giving the master a massage. Uh, they were shocked, as you probably are thinking about this kind of thing. Why does this happen? How could this be prevented? The missionary said, said well, this is because of lack of education. Uh, I, f- I read recently that in India today, the number of people who cannot read and write is roughly equal to the entire population of the United States. Over 300 million people in India are still illiterate. Why is this? They have public education. Well, because they have public education, but you have to pay minor school fees. You have to get a, a uniform or you can't go to school. Sometimes you have to buy books or even in high school, you have to buy your own desk. And poor parents can't do this. They ask, how much would it cost to, put, to send this girl to school? And they said, $5 a month. Well, they opened their wallets and said, here's, here's for the next couple of years. And this began a child sponsorship program for education. Before long, it had, it had expanded too much, and we realized we needed to have a, a, a one place and build a school. So we, we first built a school that was made of thatch uh, and wood, and it worked well for a couple of years, but it's in, it's in a tropical type of area, and uh, uh, before too many years, on the second floor, there were holes in the floor, which you could look down below and see, see the, the first story. And the kids had to be taught to walk around those holes. They wouldn't fall down. We realized we need to do something better. So through sacrificial giving of many, through two different Advent conspiracy projects and, and uh, putting this project into our mission budget, we, we helped build a school there, uh, Grace English School. Uh, it now is, has 142 students, mostly from Muslim and Hindu families. We give them uh, education in English, which helps them uh, get ahead in their society, Christian education, a free lunch, and uniforms. Uh, and guess who sponsors this? Our church. Uh, with a few partners outside, some friends, it's, it's you know, 98% or 95% just First Baptist. And it's run by... Uh, First Baptist members are on the board. Raise your hand, the board members. We've got the Guthmillers and Carol, McKinnons and Lewis's. Uh, there's Lori back there, uh, are on the board. Uh, and you can participate in this ongoing thing when you buy coffee, specialty coffee out there at the bar, the coffee bar, <laughs> then, then uh, all of that money goes to help support this school. It's amazing that we can do this. It, to have this kind of impact, just one church, this whole school, 142 students, it's really amazing. 
Amazing Missions Connection number two, Hope of the Nations in Tanzania. Um, In 2010, the Collins and Young families went to uh, Tanzania to observe and help with Hope of the Nations and their ministry. Harold and Connie Nepper are these amazing missionaries who had run it, uh, who run this. Uh, uh, Harold had been uh, Kelly Collins' uh, youth pastor years before. And they, they began a ministry with youth. They now have 2,000 kids in, I think it's 13 or so, youth groups. Uh, they've got skill building for the poor uh, to, to help them out. They've got a Bible college. And uh, Pastor Dave Glass was the first one to go teach at the Bible college. Then Jake McGregor, who was on staff here at the time, went to teach. When Jake came back and I was debriefing with him, he said, Steve... We need to help this Bible college out. We need to send more teachers. The people there don't understand basic things like grace. And he said, one pastor that I know about, one church, the pastor says, your sins cannot be forgiven unless I say so. And I won't say so unless your tithing is up to date. Yeah, this is not in the Bible, if you didn't need to guess. Uh, they didn't, and, and something clicked within me. I think it's one of the few times I could say the Holy Spirit really inspired me. And I said, Jake, okay, our missions budget's pretty full. Let's send two teachers a year to the Bible college and let's pay for it with recycling cans and bottles. How many have contributed cans and bottles here? Okay, how many would like to start doing and helping with this? We've sent, I've lost track but, but, uh, of how many times because several have gone more than once. But I've been, Pastor Glenn, um, let me see my list, um, Pastor Dane, Pastor Tim, Andrew Manus when he's on staff here, along with later, leaders Chris Phillips, uh, Neil Young, Mark Bowman, Michael Brogno, where's Michael? Raise your hand, he's here, I saw him. Anyway, he's hiding back over there, I can't see. Oh, they're in the corner. He's going to teach, is it next month? He's going to to teach there in Tanzania. Um, Neil Young serves on the board. Several others have gone on short-term trips to help with Steve Muser, helped with engineering, Uh, Nancy uh, Phillips, Kira Hockett, and and others with the school. My wife did uh, uh, medical training there, medical seminars. It's been amazing and continues to be amazing. This map shows where... uh, the, in the center is their city of Kagoma. This map shows where their pastors, the, the graduates of the school have gone and pastoring. So it's got a wide scope of influence and we've been a significant part of that. It's just amazing. And guess what? If you are part of First Baptist Church, Lodi, you're part of the team that makes these things happen. A third connection, amazing missions connection, Beacol Center for Christian Leadership in the Philippines. I found out about the Beacol Center for Christian Leadership. Uh, it's on the same island as Manila, about a few hundred miles south. I found out about it through our denominational missions uh, magazine, North American Baptist Conference. And they said that, that they're training pastors who are bivocational. They work during secular jobs of the day, nights, weekends, they do the pastoring. And they don't have any formal Bible training or seminary training, no Bible college. 
And they said, we need North American pastors who will be willing to go teach a short-term course to help, help train these pastors. And I thought, well, I, before I was a uh, pastor in California, I uh, spent six years in Singapore teaching in a Bible college there. I should, I should volunteer. Now, I have to say, six years in Singapore, 100 miles from the equator, I was done with hot weather and humidity. Uh, but I thought, you know, Philippines is going to be that over again. But this is more important than my comfort. And so I volunteered, and I've been back five times. I took Steve Isaac with me one time to uh, help teach a class. He's a musician. He wrote a, an individual song for each of the 12 uh, uh, memory verses we had for the Minor Prophets. I took my wife with me, Holly, back there uh, one time, and she did medical uh, training. Pastor Dave Glass has been five times. The first time I went, my star student was uh, a woman named Claire Azul. Well, Pastor Dave, on his last trip, took Tim Marker from our congregation. Tim is a retired engineer. He's picked up a Master of Divinity degree. And he and Claire met, formed a relationship online, ended up getting married. And now they live in Lodi. They're part of our church. Uh, I don't think they're here. Are they here today? Markers anywhere? Uh, His father's in... uh, Compromised health, so coming to crowds is difficult. But uh, last year, the director of the, of the Beacon Center for Christian Leadership died of cancer. And so the mission leaders asked Claire if she'd be the new director. She'd previously been the assistant director until Tim took her away. And she said yes, and because of COVID, it's been all remote, directing it from remote position. And this year... There are four of us from FBC, four members of First Baptist Church of who will be teaching there remotely. So Michael's uh, already taught there. He taught there last month. I'm teaching there next month. Tim and Claire are both teaching remotely, and we've got a, a wonderful connection. We have, we have also used uh, an Advent Conspiracy Project to help with them with their facilities. It's been another amazing connection that keeps going on and on. A fourth connection, amazing connection, has been with Lesotho uh, and the Purpose Driven Church Peace Plan movement. So in 2002, Pastor Glenn and Janney uh, went to Lesotho with World Vision to see uh, what was happening there. Lesotho is a poor country in southern Africa. They've been ravaged by AIDS. I think 25% of the population was HIV positive. Is that about right, Glenn? Something like that. And so many people had died, they had the phenomenon of child-headed homes. That means mom and dad have died, and now a 10-year-old brother or 13-year-old sister is the head of the family and taking care of the younger children. This is the kind of situation they found. So we started partnering with them. He took, Glenn took two other vision trips with people of our, members of our congregation to Lesotho, uh, which led to... Um, our church sponsoring, church members sponsoring between two and 300 children in Lesotho uh, and doing numerous projects through our Advent Conspiracy and other projects there. Well, a few years ago, we were contacted by Saddleback Church in Southern California and asked if we would uh, be open to helping to partner with them 
in the Purpose Driven Church slash Peace Plan movement in Africa. Pastor Rick Warren had been invited by the president of Rwanda, who had read his book, Purpose Driven Life, to come help make Rwanda, which had been ravaged by their genocide, a purpose-driven country. And Rick said, well, I can't do that. I'm not, you know, I'm not a government person, but I'll come help the churches. Well, that led to a movement in the churches that, that uh, in a program of identifying the big uh, social needs and problems of the community that, that had such a, such a positive impact that six other African heads of state said, hey, can you come do that in my country? And Pastor Rick said, well, we're a big church, but we're, not, we're only one church, so I've got to get partners. So now they've recruited uh, North American pastors who head up the same program in all 52 countries in Africa. It's amazing. So Glenn and I went to Rwanda. Pass, uh, back up once, please. So here we went to Rwanda um, in the spring of 2019, and if, if you look closely, you can see us way over, way over to the right, the far corner. Uh, and there were other North American pastors and then African pastors uh, to make a connection. So we met the, ne- the team on the next slide. So here's our, our key members of the leadership team, two couples who came to Rwanda with us. We saw the peace plan in action. We saw the things that were taking place, and they said, yes, we want to do it. We said, yes, we want to partner with you. And so uh, two years ago this month, Glenn and I went to Lesotho to, to kick off the, the uh, program. We, we met the king. We met the prime minister. Uh, we had a big meeting of 200 people to get a kickoff. Uh, if you look, I'm in there somewhere up in that mountain. This is one of the churches. Uh, there's Steve Jordan. He went with me. Uh, in November to begin training, and then in March, Holly went with me. Steve helped with, was really significant in helping with the, the teaching. Uh, and then Holly went with me and did a, a medical uh, seminar, which is her ex- area of expertise. Um, and we were in Africa last March when COVID hit and almost didn't get out. But We've now been driven to Zoom meetings. We've learned how to do Zoom meetings, and now uh, I'm doing Zoom meetings every other week with them. And even through this distance, we've been able to introduce projects uh, for poor people who struggle with getting enough to eat, how to do your own personal vegetable garden. Partnering with Aslan Child Rescue Ministries, we've been able to purchase 1,500 fruit tree saplings to help people develop uh, fruit tree production. We've been able to purchase chickens to, to help them start chicken farms. And we even helped to buy a couple of uh, oxygen machines, 10 oxygen machines for two hospitals to help combat those with, with COVID. Now, I know Glenn has told me he's praying and about the opportunity for many of us to, to join us in Lesotho when it opens again. Right now, they're being ravaged with COVID and it's not possible to travel. But it may be something in your future. This has been an amazing connection. Uh, we've seen, seen amazing things happen. A fifth amazing missions connection is Juan Ibarra's youth reach in Mexico. Juan is a church member. His wife and family were here at the first service. Juan began his career as a um, 
gang leader and drug seller. He was quite successful. At one point, he owned 12 cars, which is kind of what you do if you're a big drug leader, I guess. Uh, But as a young adult, he was brought to Christ through the ministry of Young Life in the Bay Area. He gave up this past. He started a new future, not, not buying cars, but changing lives. And he worked with youth in the Bay Area, then in the Central Valley. And then uh, in 2009, he started thinking, you see, I've got a, a cousin who lives in San Nicolas near Guadalajara, and uh, we've got property there. And there are lots of things available in the States, but there's nothing for these kids. And for the same money and effort, I can do a lot more there. So here you see a youth program he started. And as a former gang member, boxing was like the big deal, the sport he did. So he started boxing clubs for boys and girls. They're so popular, he can use that to leverage the boxing with education. Show me your report card. If you're not getting the grades, you can't come back next week. Go back home and study. And through the, the, the sports programs, through the after-school tutoring, and we see some of our church members, there's Lisa and her daughter. Uh, kids have, have now started graduating from junior high, which they weren't doing before, and going on even to college. And here's, here's this, there's his cousin, Victor, uh, It's been a great program. It's been so successful that the mayor of uh, Santa Cruz de la Soledad contacted him and said, hey, we want you to come do that in our town also. And so Juan agreed, and now it's it's operating there, and there's a third town that wants him. Um, We've had a great connection. We've sent many teams down to be with them to help with with, uh, sports, uh, soccer, baseball, and and with uh, tutoring and painting and and uh, outreach programs and other things. Last year, Pastor Glenn and Juan were talking about the need, there's no Protestant church in the city, and to start a a little uh, Protestant church, which he started. And so that's happening. It's been an amazing connection to see what's happened there, and that we as a church get to participate so closely. Now, these are only a few of the wonderful mission things that we've been able to do in the last 20 years. And as I look at this, I say, wow. Would you join me? Would you say that? Let's say it together. Wow. Yeah, this is really amazing. And guess what? This is not just an elite few of our church members and pastors doing this. This is you are part of the team. And as a team, these are things that we are doing together. Now, you might ask, well, okay, so what? I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. I'm not inclined to make some foreign trip. I don't like to travel out of the country anyway. Um, What can I do? Well, let me identify three things you can do because every one of us can be involved. You can give, you can pray, you can go. As you give offerings to the church on Sunday, they go into our general budget. And from that general budget, we we set aside close to $200,000 a year for missions, projects, and missionary support. So as you give to the church, you're part of that. Every year, as I've said, we have these Advent conspiracy projects at Christmas time over and above the budget. In the last 10 years, we have raised over a half million dollars for these projects. And so Youth Reach has, has received money from that, Beacon Center, Tanzania twice, uh, India twice, 
uh, we've done some amazing high-impact projects through the the Advent Conspiracy. We've got another one coming up this year because guess what? Christmas is coming back. And uh, where the elders are praying about where we where we're going to put this money, you'll hear more later. Uh, you can also give cans and bottles. You can bring in your plastic uh, uh, bottles and cans, aluminum cans, to, uh, to help send our teachers and other missionaries to Tanzania and maybe other places. How many of you already have been doing that? How many of you want to start doing that? Pretty easy. Just you can drop them off at the. Uh, shed in the back on Sundays or bring them into the office or the gym anytime. And how about a cup of coffee? Instead of stopping at Starbucks on the way to church, how about our coffee bar? And they've got great coffee. And instead of looking at the coffee and saying, okay, I'll give a dollar or two, why don't you look not the value of the coffee, but the value of the children whose lives are being transformed by that. And maybe give $5, $10. This morning I had a wonderful $20 cup of coffee. And you can have that too. Uh, so you can give. You can also pray. Our missionaries send us regular uh, emails with, with uh, reports and prayer requests. I've got a list of about 100 people in the church. I forward those to. If you're not getting that and want to get it, be on the list. Uh, on the connection card there in, your, in front of your seat, put on there you want to be there, you want to get it, or just call the office and I'll add you to the list. Uh, a lot of people are really stuck when it comes to praying beyond praying for the nations. Like, I don't know anything. I don't know what to pray for. So I'm going to share a resource. This is a website, prayercast.com. And they have on there a, a list of all the nations on the earth, alphabetically. You just click on one of those and you get a two to four minute video with a person from that country praying for that country while you're watching uh, videos of, of everyday life in that country. It's an easy way to increase the reach of your prayers beyond just what you see to the whole world. So we can give, we can pray, and you can go. I want to challenge you to make it an aim at least once in your life to go on some kind of cross-cultural short-term missions trip. Uh, There's some who have already signed up to go with Sean Campbell, who is the director of our young adults ministry. He was here in the first service right there. He said he's been doing this for somewhere between 10 and 15 years. Christmas vacation, he takes a group of young adults to Mexico, and they work with an organization to build a house for an impoverished family there. Uh, We're planning a trip in October to youth reach to Mexico to work with Juan Ibarra. And Pastor Glenn will give you all the details of that, right? Uh, Some of you might be ready to go to Lesotho when it opens up. Our prayer and our plan is to have dozens of church members go in the next uh, several years to see the work, to participate in the work, to help with, with the training there. For others, it may, may be a lot simpler. It's, it's just going across town to help 180 as they tutor uh, children, uh, maybe from another culture and after school programs. Because education is the key in India, but it's also key here. If the kids can't read and write properly, then their uh, limitations are, in society are great. Or maybe for you, the cross-cultural ministry is 
just going down the street. And there's that family that looks different. They come from some other country. And, and maybe your role is just to reach out, befriend them, maybe ask them to a meal, and just see where the, where the relationship goes and where God might take you. We all can be involved in God's worldwide mission. We are part of, of God's uh, chosen people. We are part of it, the kingdom of priests. And as a priest uh, stands before between God and people and brings God's message to the people, that's what we're called to do. We can all do that. Finally, I challenge you to become a world Christian. There are many people who are local Christians only. Their, their level of concern is just like our own community, our own town, maybe our state, maybe our country. And the needs, that, needs there in all of these are immense. I'm not belittling that at all. But it stops. We've seen in these scriptures that God cares for the whole world. And he calls us to care for the whole world. In Jesus' great commission, he sends us to the whole world. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus uh, came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what's our point here today? God cares for the whole world. He's working out his plan for the whole world. And he wants us to share that concern and participate in the plan. We can all give, we can all pray, and we can all go in some capacity. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you, first of all, for the amazing things you've let us participate in around the world as we uh, have looked beyond just our own borders and and become partners in many of these ministries. We are uh, in awe at the things you've done. And we pray that you'd help us do even more, even deeper impact ministries in the next coming decades. And Lord, some of us are just a little bit scared, a little bit confused here, like me, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know what I can do. And so we just want to say to you, God, here I am. I'm available. I don't know what I can do. I don't know where I could serve, but I'm here. And I pray that you would direct me. Help me. You're the one who's, who's always with us to the end of the age. So guide me and show me what I can do. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.